I'm your host, Kaylee, and I love my career as a venue manager and now owner. I'm a glutton for punishment, coffee addict, and an ambitious leader. I've seen and done some unglamorous things in this chosen career path, but I wouldn't change it for the world. Let's talk about the ups and downs of venue ownership, and I'll fill you in on the crazy stories, give you some knowledge on the nitty gritty details, and share my passion for this industry. Stick around, and I'm sure you're going to understand why Operating a venue, although rewarding, is elegantly unglamorous. Okay, so I'm back, and I hope that you guys all had an amazing Thanksgiving. Um, it has been a roller coaster of three to four weeks for me. Um, I record some of these episodes way in advance, so... <laughs> You don't catch me always when I'm going through some crisis of whatever. Because, you know, business owner, being a mom, being a wife, um, being my crazy hot mess self sometimes, I feel like I'm going through some kind of crisis all the time. So (laughs) mentally, physically, who knows? So, um, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. I did. I ate a lot of food and this is, goes into my next topic. I got COVID. <laughs> I got COVID the first week of November and it started off on Wednesday. I just did not feel right. I just was kind of iffy, but that's the day that I up my meds. So, Listen, I'm I'm so transparent about being being on antidepressants that I I I will always tell you like I'm on a, a like I'm on a cocktail of different prescriptions to manage my depression, to manage my anxiety, to manage my what I think is ADHD, but I don't know. I am. I have to have something that takes off the edge. And if you can handle your stress, you know, without medication, I am so happy for you, but I can't. So, and a lot of us can't. And I, and I know that. And I have found out that I should not be ashamed of having to take medication to keep the stress down, especially with running a business and the high stress industry that we are in. I have to have some kind of, you know, (laughs) some kind of antidepressant to help. Um, I'm also a mother of two, so I need that as well. So anyways, I have Wednesday, I start feeling yucky. I think it's my medication. I'm like, I'm just going to go home and take a nap. Like, it's not a big deal. I'm just a little tired. Like, that's it. So I go home. I feel like this for about two or three days. Friday, my aunt is coming in town because she's also, if you don't know, she's my business partner as well. So we have a joint ownership of our venue and she's bringing my grandma with her because my grandma lives with her in Vegas and she flies back (laughs) from Vegas here. Well, we also had, we had like a a public event or like a hosted event that we were hosting ourselves. It's our annual murder mystery. We do it every year. It's a lot of fun. We have about 50 to 80 people depending on the year. And this year was about to be like 54, 55 people. It was, it went really well, but 
Friday when they flew in, my aunt texts me and she's like, hey, we're going to drop grandma off, you know, so that way she can stay with my kids while me and my husband fly to Vegas for the wedding NBA and stay with my aunt and fly back and then send my grandma back. It was, we had this all planned, right? Friday, I feel crappy and I'm like, okay, I've had colds worse than this. I kind of had a headache, took some ibuprofen and went away. Um, but it kind of clicked a little bit, but I was still in denial because I was like, there's no, there's no way. There's no way. <laughs> I I didn't, it did not click that I had COVID. I knew that I was sick, but I didn't think that I had COVID. I thought that I just had a sinus infection or something. And so I light candles because I'm cleaning the house and I light candles and I'm like, and I'm not thinking about it. I can't smell these candles. I can't smell if my house smells good. I, but I, it didn't, I wasn't thinking about that. I was thinking about the loads of laundry I had to get done. My cousin walks in and my grandma and everybody goes, oh, it smells so good in here. This week, I want to talk about finding the right clients because we struggled with this. Like we struggled in the beginning. That was probably our number one issue that we had to fight against when we took over a pre-existing business. So starting off, here's the pros and cons of building a venue versus buying a pre-existing venue. When you buy a pre-existing venue, you are already going to accumulate that business's business that <laughs> you're going to accumulate their clients and you're taking over their clients. That's what we did. We took over the clients. We also took in took over their contracts. So we followed the contract exactly as they had, which their contract was crappy. It was like maybe a page and a half. Ours is 12 pages, 12 pages of contract. Uh, very thorough, very detailed. Um, it covers our ass. Like I'm not going to put my butt on the line. So we did have, we, we kept all the service things the same from the contracts that we took over. We kept all the pricing the same. However, we changed a couple things. We did have to have them use a list of our preferred caters because we weren't in the catering industry at that time. We took over a business within four months. We had to be up and running. There was no way we could not get a menu all of our vendors, all of our staff, all the equipment needed. There was no way for us to do that. So we ended up um, just having them contracted from a list of preferred caterers. Um, we lost so much money. <laughs> Not only that, we struggled through that first year because the rental was like a third of what we should have charged. What we were charging our new onboarding clients, our clients that we took over from the previous business, they were a third of the rental rate. And we had to still provide same quality of service, right? Like we can't 
discriminate on that. I mean, we, we did make it bare minimum as what we could do, but we couldn't like, we still wanted to have that good reputation. So we sacrificed a lot. Let's just say that. Anyways, moving on. But we took over their clients. So that means we kind of got stuck in a rut of getting the same type of clients. And we also had to fight the stigma of the previous business. We had to fight the branding of the previous business. So not only did we renovate the inside to increase our value and we're working on the property to increase our value, we... I have to tell you that the customer service that they received alone was worth the value. Um, Working one-on-one with me and me being there at their wedding and organizing their timeline and being involved in that process of planning a little bit, that was worth it. But we had to fight because people were just like, you're too expensive. You're too expensive. And the reason why is because we were still trying, we were still under the thought that we were the old business. We're not. We weren't. We renovated. We increased the value. We provide more customer service. So we had to, we had to do a lot of screening and sometimes that was an uphill uphill battle because our screening process, there's several different things that we did. The first thing is, is we created a website that reflected our brand and was visually appealing. That was the biggest thing. Then we also were super transparent on pricing. We posted our pricing on our website because how many times that I gave tours that weren't our clients? You can tell who your clients are. You can tell immediately when you see them, you know, you know that they would fit into your clientele kind of demographic, right? So, you know, now I know exactly who our clients are. I know exactly what their budgets need to be. I a minimum budget of a certain amount. Um, I know generally they are young females that um, you know between the age of twenty to twenty seven. That's that's 90% of our clients. I also know that their parents are paying for the wedding. <laughs> I know that about 50% of my clients are nurses. <laughs> I have gained this information over time. But before that, that's not that wasn't our clientele. Our clientele was very large weddings, like 400 or more, sometimes 300 or more, and very low budget farmers. Same age, same age. So 20, between about 21 to 25, but it was smaller. It was a smaller window. And their parents were also paying for part of it, but they were limiting it because they probably had several children. (laughs) 
it wasn't a one or two kids. They had five or six kids and this was their third daughter getting married. So they had a very small budget because they've got to make that financially stretch across all their daughters or their sons. Like, so that was our demographic, but we were pulling from the country. Like we were pulling farmers, which is fine. I have nothing against farmers, but I do have to say that's not are normal. That's not what we experience now. And they're usually large weddings because they know everybody. <laughs> but when they're larger weddings, they're trying to fit a higher headcount in a smaller budget. You know, $10,000 goes pretty far in the Midwest, goes pretty far for, you know, a wedding of 150 to 200, but doesn't go very far for 300 to 400 people. So, that was the issue that we kept experiencing. They just, they wanted to do the catering themselves. They wanted to do the decor themselves. They wanted to DIY a lot of things that that's just, that that's not the business that we wanted to provide. We wanted to have more interaction with our clients. We wanted to provide florals and decor. We wanted to be able to make the space look like what we envisioned it. I know that's really weird to say because because it's somebody's wedding and that's their vision too. But we should, we should be able to share visions. We should be able to share the vision of, you know, wanting the space to look similar. We wanted our space to look, look elegant and to look fresh and inviting and warm and, and more of a family homestead and, you know, that, that comfortable feeling you get when you go to your mom's house. Like that's what we wanted. And we wanted our clients to want the same thing. We didn't want it to look like a barn. We didn't want it to be rustic. And I guess that, that was our clientele when we started because that's the clients we got from the old owners. So we had to be super transparent about our pricing so we could filter that through about our, you know, catering pricing. We had to be super transparent. Um, and, on our website, like everything is there. It still is because I was giving tours and I was giving quotes and it was way out of their budget and I'm wasting their time there. You know, it's wasting my time. I don't, I don't have time to give 20 tours a week and all, you know, 45 minutes to an hour long. I don't have time for that. It's and to handle weddings and run a business. I, that's just not, that's not, you know, an option for me. So that's how you find your client. You know, you find your client by being transparent. You find your client by showing pictures of the space when you think it looks good. When you want it to look, only share pictures of your venue when you look at it and you're like, I want every wedding to to look like this. If you want every wedding to look elegant and beautiful and fresh florals and, and table settings, and you want that look, and that's what you're going for, share that picture, post it everywhere, post it on your social media, post it on your website, share it multiple times. You can share multiple, you, you can post that picture three or four times on your website. Because everybody will stay, still say awe when they look at it. Like, it doesn't matter. But don't share pictures of your space when you don't think it looks well. 
And I hate doing that. Like I, I have weddings that I am so connected with that client, but they did their own decor. It's really not that good. Like it's kind of, you know, <laughs> we all have weddings. We've been there where we've had weddings and they're like, they don't care about the centerpieces. They don't care really about what the space looks like. They're more invested in other things, which is fine. Everybody has their preferences, but I just know that I want my space to look a certain way and I want every wedding to look a certain way because I know the budgets of those wedding and when it comes down to running a business, it's all about money. And I I want to promote our venue as being gorgeous and beautiful and get the same type of clients. So I share pictures of the weddings that I feel are going to best represent the clients that we want to have. That's what I do. I mean, that's how it is. Um, Millennials are super visual. So having pictures and things like that, if you're trying to attract more Gen Z, which is what we're getting into, you know, Gen Zs are in their, their, the, the older Gen Zs are, right now (laughs) getting into their 20s. So to attract them, I mean, you're probably gonna have to do more video because they're into videos. You've got TikTok, you've got Reels, you've got Facebook Lives, you've got Instagram Lives. Everything is video. It's not just pictures anymore. Pictures are great, But I feel like Gen Z wants to have more of a connection with people. And by doing that, having more videos, they feel more of a connection to the other person on the other side of that screen. So it's just part of the generation. Now, if you're, you know, a barn and you're looking to have more of like an older couples, you know, then you, you can probably do Instagram more. I mean, I'm 29 and I'm not a big social media person. And I've been realizing this more and more like Instagram. I haven't posted on Instagram in over almost a year for myself personally. I just don't look at Instagram very often. I'm more of a Facebook person and I don't even share that much on Facebook, but I see a lot of other things on Facebook. So you know, that's where I go. But Gen Z is looking at more of Instagram reels, stories, and TikTok. I know TikTok. Man, that one's, that one's really come up here. So if that's the type of people you're looking, you need, you're looking to gain as clients, then you need to represent that and you need to get in front of their face. You also need to think like them. You need to realize, okay, if I want higher-end clients, then that means I got to look a little higher-end. This is horrible to say, but it's so true because I've worked in sales uh, for the last five years now, and I have realized if I'm looking to gain a client that's higher-end, designers sometimes is, you know, (laughs) the winning factor other than a person, uh, another person. Uh, 
Oh, it's so mean to say, but it's so true. Um, and I hate being materialistic and saying things that are materialistic and just, but it is true. That's sales. We're very driven by material items um, and being a solution to that person. They want to feel like they're connected to you. They want to feel like they have something in common with you. And if they're higher end, that's the client that you're looking to get. They're not going to feel connected to you if you don't represent that as well, um, which is sometimes difficult to do because I don't think I'm my clients. Like, I don't think that I would be my client. Um, when I'm 29, so I'm a little too old for that. I'm not old, but I'm a little older than my normal clients. To, um, I was, you know, me and my husband had kids really, really young. So we, you know, didn't have money and, and still now, like we're still running a business and taking care of kids and putting our money towards our kids and not towards a wedding. So we wouldn't be my client. Like that's the reality, but I can make a connection with those, you know, people because I am very happy and bubbly and that's our connection. They're usually generally happy and bubbly and friendly. And I, they're usually more, a little bit more casual, but nice. Like they take care of themselves. Um, but they are casual. So I don't normally have to wear designer clothes because they're not wearing designer clothes, but I do make sure that my nails are clean. I do make sure that I have makeup on. I do make sure that I look presentable, that I have some kind of fashion sense that I'm not just wearing leggings and a t-shirt all day. Um, when I go and do meetings, I make sure that I am going to connect with the person and look similar and feel a connection with that person of a potential client. So just remember that. Um, and it doesn't matter your age. You could be 60 trying to get a 23 to 24 year old, you know, client range, but they're going to want to feel like they have some kind of connection to you. So you, you've got to be up to date on knowing what TikTok is. You got to be up to date on knowing, you know, some kind of general, you know, information about society now. Like you can't be stuck you know, 40 years ago and have your venue look 40 years old. Like you can't, you've got to stay up to date on everything and be um, current with the trends. It's just how it is. Um, but finding your clientele, um, let's recap that. Let's talk about, we go over again. I always like to do this because I do ramble a little bit and if you've made it this far, thank you for listening to me ramble <laughs> and talk about things. Sometimes I get off track, but so first of all, be tra transparent um, about your pricing on your website. Make sure your website and your social media is reflective um, of the person or the type of clients that you want. If you want higher end, it needs to look higher end. If you want somebody that is a little bit more mid, you know, they're looking for a really comfortable, fun environment, make your environment look fun and comfortable. Um, if you're look, if you're a barn and you're looking more of a country, make your website look more country. Um, if you're trying to get country, like farmer clients probably should say something about local farmers. Like maybe you should 
maybe you should donate your building for something of the local community that farmers also donate their, you know, money towards or whatever it might be. And you should have a tractor on the property. <laughs> I don't know. But that is an appeal to those type of clients. So make your property, make your, you know, website, make your social media, be reflective of the type of clients that you're looking to obtain. Also, you need to be reflective of the clients that you're trying to, to you know, sell to. You need to be up with the trends. If you're trying to get people who are clients that are trendy and, you know, know about all the ups and downs about TikTok or about certain things, then, then you have to be the same. Um, it just is part of sales. It's part of sales and recognizing who your client is, what they like, what they don't like, and mirror, mirroring them. Um, that's the whole point of it. You need to get in the mindset of thinking like your potential clients, like the clients that you want. So when you are trying to get a high-end client, then you need to walk into your space thinking you're a high-end client and you're wanting to look for a venue. Does your venue match their needs and necess- like their needs and things that are going to be a necessity for their wedding? Because I'm sure they're going to have a bunch of floral installations. I'm sure they're going to have a bunch of, you know, different things going on and it's going to be more of a show. Do you have the venue to represent that? If you're a barn, probably not. (laughs) If you're a ballroom, yes. That means you need to also represent them personally as well. So you need to look nice, dress nice, have things that are going to be similar and in common with that type of client. So that is it, guys. Um, I hope this helped you understand how to narrow in your demographics, other just being, you know, an age range between 20 and 30 years old and female or male. Um, or, you know, if you're looking for same-sex couples, um, I have to tell you, we draw in a lot of um, same-sex couples, um, but only lesbian couples. We really, I've never done a gay, like, wedding with two males. Like, I haven't been able to do that because we aren't in there, like, our visual of our building and what we look like is light and airy, and that's really not attracting them. And that's okay. They're not, they're not my demographic. But I love my lesbian couples. Like, I love them. And I want them to keep coming to me because I love working with women. That's just me. And I attract that. So they um, see our building. They connect with me. And that's why. So um, just be reflective. Be that mirror. And um, I hope that this narrowed in your demographic. And you are able to... Go into your space with an open mind and think about what your potential client is and what they like and what they don't don't like. I mean, just reflect on that. All right, guys, I think that's it for this episode. Peace out, Girl Scout. 
Do you know another venue owner, event professional, or maybe an entrepreneur that you think will benefit from this podcast? Why don't you share it with them and help me inspire others? Stay informed by following or subscribing to this podcast. You'll be notified each time an episode is posted. You can also follow me for more tips and inspiration on Instagram at Elegantly Unclamorous Podcast or on our website at elegantlyunclamorous.com. I'll see you next time.